0: Good morning, Cincinnati, and welcome into another episode of the Bearcat Brunch, brought to you, as always, by our wonderful partners at Royal Lynx Golf Tours. Have you always wanted to play golf at St. Andrews? Have you ever enjoyed that perfect pint of Guinness in Ireland? Well, now you can with Royal Lynx Golf Tours. They are a golf tour specialist offering unforgettable golf experiences to Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales. Their custom itineraries are more than golf trips. They are immersive cultural and country experiences that will surprise and delight you both on and off the course. <clears throat> Royal Lynx Golf Tours is owned by former Bearcat quarterback Hayden Moore and his partner, UC alum Jeff Bartholomew. So if you'd like to get out to St. Andrews or Ballybunion or have that perfect pine in Ireland, visit their website at royallinksgolftours.com or call them directly at 770. 770- 331 1525. 5. And with that, we are back to recap what has now been the fifth Bearcats loss in a row uh, as they fall at home to the Baylor Bears 32 29. Still searching that elusive first Big 12 victory. Joined as always by my partner, Jeff Howe. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, as we do, what was your. Uh, Takeaway from from this week's uh, defeat from the Bearcats.
1: Uh, we found a running game, and somehow uh, that didn't matter. Um, I, there was some fight, and I did say that, like, if we, it, you know, if we were losing games, but it, you know, it looked like they were engaged in attempting to, you know, finish out the game. That I would be okay with it. And
0: <laughs> are you? I'm not. I mean, uh, yeah, Before I guess before we really, like, you know, you, you keep losing, you're not going to be able to really go too much positive. But I will say, you know, for whatever it's worth, probably not much, but not for nothing, it was nice that after what they put out there last week, that they bounced back in a way of you know, not the win execution necessarily, but like, you know, if they'd have done that again from a energy and an enthusiasm standpoint, then you're starting to question like locker room and guys yeah. buying it. Like, you know, Baylor's not a good team, but you know, we're not a good team either. So, exactly. uh, but it's, you know, <laughs> and I'm going to, we'll get into it and I'm going to, because I'm not even sure if it makes sense. I have this thought, and I'm not even sure if I can explain it correctly or if it makes sense. But, you know, some of the issues are still the issues. Like, special teams is still a disaster. Uh, you know, you hand, you literally hand them a touchdown. Ball never hits the ground. It pops right to their guy. He walks in, basically. Then you kick a low-line drive punt. And allow a forty-one-yard punt return because of it, and you your defense holds and you know holds to a field goal, but like that's still a problem. that's not getting corrected. Um, They're giving up the big plays in the pass game, is still a problem, but I'm not sure it's going to get corrected because corrected because no. I just don't think we got the dudes to correct it.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, like
0: unless you're just going to bail on your entire defensive scheme and just you know drop coverage and bail and ask them to nickel and dime you down the field. It's just not going to like coach Satterfield mentioned it post game, like I don't think there's a lot of depth in the secondary and it ain't because a lot of guys are hurt. Like it's just, these guys, they're not. And I, I dug into this and the numbers are, are kind of stark and gross and, and we'll talk about this, but I think my thing that I'm now taking away from these seven games, and the ones we've played in the Big 12 so far is that, by and large, this is a pretty good to very good AAC roster. Yeah.
2: I'd and that. That's it's,
0: fair. and an, a pretty good to very good AAC roster, even against a bad Big 12 team, is probably still going to lose. And a very good to pretty good AAC roster can play good enough at times to do what the defense did for the most part against Oklahoma or do what the offense and defense did at times against BYU. But when a pretty good to very good AAC roster then is also still making some of these major, major mistakes, you're not going to beat Baylor. I don't care how bad they are this year because they have a Big 12 roster. And it might be a bad Big 12 roster, but that roster is still better. Then you're pretty good to very good AAC roster. I mean, just go position by position. Like, Emory Jones yesterday did nothing appreciably bad. Like he was more than fine. I won't even call him good, but he's he was better than he had been.
1: He was serviceable.
0: And but yet at times, you were still like that's just something that a better quarterback gets done. The offensive line ran, created lanes move people out of the way in the running game. So that was very good to see. But at the same time, against a team that doesn't really generate a pass rush, I thought the pass protection was pretty bad throughout the game. Um, The wide receivers, outside of Xavier Henderson, I'm not sure any of these guys are really Big 12 caliber players. Now, can they make a Big 12 caliber play from time to time? Sure. But against a... Really good Big 12 secondary against Iowa State, they could do nothing against a team that can't stop the run but does fairly well against the pass. They really couldn't generate much.
1: No. Um,
0: uh, flip it over to the defense the defensive line against a team that has given up 18 sacks and I think is 12th out of 14 teams in the Big 12 in tackles for loss allowed. I wanted more, I thought they were okay they thought they were pretty good. I didn't think they were great. Linebacker, we've already seen what looks like maybe a move to the future. Not sure if it's injury related or whatnot, but Jonathan Thompson starting over Dorian Jones, like we've talked about that all season has just been kind of okay. And then the second Barry, they're just, they just don't have the guys to run with a Keytron Jackson or a Monterey Baldwin. And then when you, add into the fact that just purely athletically, they're not where some of these wide receiver cores are. You have multiple plays where they're just totally lost and beat.
1: Well, you know,
0: I mean, If if, if, uh, if Blake Shapen had a second more, the the trick play that went to the tight end down the sideline goes to Monterey Baldwin down the middle of the field because I was the closest person to him.
1: And you're in the stands.
0: And I was 28 rows up in the stands and that would have been an easy walk in touchdown, but the line got to him just in time where all he could do was flick it to the tight end who was also wide open down the sidelines.
1: He got that. And then even when Ooh. even when there were contested catches, it it was sort of a joke. Um, we had two guys with, on a 55-yard pass. Yeah. And he just you know, bobbles it around a little bit, it makes a catch. The, the other thing that, you kind of have to like, I don't know. It, it's along the same lines of what you're saying. It's like when you go into a situation like UC was in, losing a coach, losing players to the portal. The players that you're able to go in and get out of the like they're in the portal for a reason, right? Because they either you know it, it's not, it's not necessarily that like they are all graduate transfers who were studs where they were at and like you know the top of the food chain and they're just leaving where they were and now they're all going to come here and you're going to build this like super team roster like they're right. middle of the pack the bottom of the pack guys where they were at and you try to put them together and that's not like a I don't want to like make it something like I'm like disparaging any of these guys that, that we have it's just like you said they are not necessarily a middle of the pack to upper tier big 12 roster it is. I think saying that it is a, a very good AAC roster is a, a solid assessment of what we have. And, you know, we, we maybe got a little excited at the beginning of the year from what we saw and what we thought was going to happen. Like, hell, we were a little surprised to see that it appeared that everything was gelling and moving and working like a, you know, a well-oiled machine. And, and then they kind of stumbled about, you know, on the third or fourth hurdle, uh, down the track, and uh, and right. it hasn't gotten necessarily better. Um, obviously, the running game was was good yesterday, but I think we might have expected that against Baylor.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think there's two. Pro- like, I think the portal primary purpose is used in two ways. One, if you have a a good roster, you use it to enhance it. Like you you're missing. You're a good team and you have a good roster, but you need something somewhere to. To, to kind of push you over the top. The other way is kind of the way that UC has had to use it this year is to just put yourself in a position to try to be competitive and have depth at as many places as you can. It is not, in my opinion, used to build a roster and have cumulative year-over-year success. So I think they used it this year in the way that they did because they just needed guys. Yeah. And I have a feeling they're going to use it in a very similar sense this coming season because I think they're going, they're realizing that, okay, we need better guys now. Because, like, in my other thought, and this is the one that I'm not even sure if it makes sense, but like, they're not bad, but they're also not good. Like, you're obviously not good if you're two and five. Right. But you're not bad because, again, and I tweeted this out, game on paper. Yeah. Our EPA expected points was, offensively, 9.8. Theirs was at negative 0.17. This is at least the third time. If you just go on total yards, the UCs outgained their opponent and lost. Special teams EPA, we were negative 2.1, and they were 6.11. So, like, there's your game. When things are tight, you have the the two special teams there, and their kicker, hats off to them, man. Four for four, all over 43 yards. Like, when you're struggling, you need a kicker to go two for four in those situations. When you're struggling, you you have to be able to either take points or convert two fourth downs inside their twenty-five yard line. The first one, Coach Satterfield mentioned that if they don't mess up and fumble the ball, that
1: they had a hey, good play call. Single
0: wide up. You know what? You're making it too hard for yourself. This Baylor can't score. Can't stop the run. Just run the damn ball. Yeah. Like when you're struggling, you don't like. Yes, it might have been wide open. But you guys can't seem to execute the the easiest of easy. So in that situation against the team that can't stop the run, like why do we need to get tricky? Why do we need to try to outsmart them? Well, just pick up the damn first down.
1: You got that, and then you got the you got the little that throwback play that they yeah. that they tried to run that was like again to that same point. Like, why are we trying to do too much when we can't do like the basic stuff?
0: I have no problem going for the, for the both fourth downs because even if you kick a field goal, you're still down nine. So it almost like doesn't eat. Like sure, yeah, you might get like, and he even said it. Like, how many times are you really going to get the ball back? Are we going to right? Get I mean, the they ball? were.
1: So the the other thing though is like okay, so like you look at the end of the game, like yeah, you lost by three, you left, you know, six, and like we can all like complain about that, um, you know, after the game to say like, well, you left those points out there and you lost by three, and like you know. Okay, like that I guess that's a fair thing. Like I I complained a little bit about it yesterday but when you when you go back and think about it and then you hear what he has to say it still kind of raises questions. Like you can't like you, just get the basic stuff together. Right. Get it like just do the basic things and then maybe try to expand into some like a little bit
0: against a team that you ran for almost 300 300 yards on and had one running back average 10 yards of carry and one running back average eight yards of carry running a read option e pull the ball throw it to the tight end coming isn't even in my mind like i'm like
1: don't even pull that ball just give the ball to corey just put it in his stomach and say go get our first down so
0: it's like that part i just don't understand but i i don't have any problem with being aggressive like i would have gone for it on fourth down both of those times as well but i mean like kind of back to my point of we're not bad but we're not good it's like just look yesterday like the offensive line wasn't bad but like it wasn't good in pass protection Emery emory wasn't bad but like there were still some plays where he should have made like the secondary i think is bad and 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 there's too many errors on the special teams right now for me to not call that bad, but like, you know, it's, you can't be bad and be like truly bad and be playing these types of games, but then you're not good either. So like, you're just there and you're making too many errors to beat, uh, to beat teams right now. So you're having to play almost perfect, but you don't have the talent to play perfect. So like that's an unrealistic expectation to to think that these guys that are showing that they're consistently inconsistent are going to all play at a higher level together on the same day and take what I just said is a pretty good to very good AAC roster and go beat Oklahoma State next week.
1: I mean, I, and like I, I mean, this gets into it across like across the Big 12, Like I think that's kind of showing in some of the other teams that moved up into the Big 12 uh, yeah, everybody, they, has, they everybody has everybody has good to
0: really good AAC rosters they can and if be... they
1: click if they all click on the same day which it looked like was happening in two different locations yesterday right. but it still wasn't enough like it wasn't enough to to get over the hump and get the win right uh and that's kind of what we're running into here thrifty walrus does have uh hey i'm I'm, cer- more...
0: I'm certainly contributing
1: He's making a good point over here that uh, have we considered that sense plans to make us all sad and drunk, so we drink a bunch of sensey light, and he can buy whatever players he wants next. Year. I'm, hey, I'm certainly if contributing. Happens, if that's what happens, I'm all for it.
0: Thank hey. you, thrifty Rollerist Darren, Natalie, Alex, everybody that joins us. And I kind of wanted, so I wanted to dig into this this point of like the the AAC roster that I'm trying yeah, to make. Absolutely. And so this this current recruiting class, the 2023 class, you know, we knew that that there's weren't going to be contributors in that class. I mean, it was kind of from a high school level. I'm just talking high school guys because if you use the portal the way I think you should use it, we're only talking high school players. So I wanted to look at okay, like the 2022 and the 2021 class. What are we getting out of that currently? Now, there's still young guys, but young guys play across the country and if you're if you're showing that you have really good ability, you're forcing teams to play you. Like being a, a sophomore or a redshirt freshman anymore, like those dudes are playing. So I looked oh, yeah, at if
1: they're not playing, then they're transferring.
0: Right. So I looked at how many starters out of the 2021 class do we have right now? Offense, defense, special teams. So we have five out of the 2021 class: threats, Dingle, Mater. Corleone and Fletcher. So you have one guy from the 2021 class starting on offense. Three on defense, one on special teams. Who's con- who's legitimately contributing from the 2021 class? Not like plays special teams, gets some snaps in a like rotation on defense, like are you actually like a reason that the Bearcats are successful or, you know, unsuccessful? From the 2021 class, Miles Montgomery, only one. That I would put in that category. Now, there's guys that are maybe like, get, like I said, special teams, getting five, ten snaps on defense or something. But like, that's not to me what a contributor is. Yeah. How many guys from the 2021 class are no longer on the roster? Eleven.
1: Are they starting elsewhere?
0: Well, I, I didn't go and look. Oh, into that. They're it. just, okay. they're just not a Bearcats. But it, it goes to like the depth and the yeah, what we're talking about for. Roster result. So let's go to 2022. Still very young, but you know you should have at least some people starting slash contributing. The only starter, and I put him in here because I think he's going to start moving forward, is Jonathan Thompson. That's it. Contributors zero. No longer with the team seven. Now that has a lot to do with coaching change, but there were still some people that were already not on the roster before that happened. So, from those two recruiting classes of high schoolers, you have one offensive starter, four defensive starters, your punter, and then one offensive real contributor and 18 guys that aren't on the roster anymore.
1: Sounds like what uh, NCAA football is now. Far as like teams kids leaving.
0: So, you know, I I think we're seeing kind of and I'm I'm not saying that the 2023 issues that they're having are a 100% correlation to like these those two recruiting classes not bearing really much fruit at all at this point. But when you look at you're taking a step up, you did have a lot of roster turnover you have a bunch of new players. You're playing teams that have had years to accumulate better talent than you. And then on top of that, you have. In yes, 21, I would have included Shimon. He's just, I said, he's a starter. Okay. I thought yeah. you said miles was yeah. the only one from that. No, question. he's the, he's my contributor. He's a contributor. Shimon's a
2: sta- Sorry. the starter. I was, I was trying to look at it and go along <laughs> with you to make sure we didn't leave anybody out.
0: My no. Fault. Um, but like, You know, you're gonna. So right now, this team is basically constructed of juniors and seniors and transfers. And some of those transfers are Corey Kiner and Joanne Briggs and guys that we're very happy to have on the team, and they're contributing and they're doing a lot of good things. But like,
1: right? But this is showing you. This is showing you why you're.
0: This is showing you why you're losing these types of games when you because we have some some dudes. There's no doubt about it. They have some talent but they clearly don't have enough and they don't have enough at college football, 2023 in a pretty key area. Um, you know, and you know, it's just when, when you're inconsistent and then you have roster issues and you're taking a step up, this is what happens. You can be right there. You can be, you can play pretty well against Oklahoma, especially defensively. Not really. You can, you can, Look, virtually unstoppable against BYU, and then all of a sudden not be able to move the ball, or they can't move the ball, and then you give up three touchdowns in a row. Um, but then at the same time, that's you go up against Iowa State that has a secondary that's really good, and and your pretty good receivers can't do anything, and they that's, just have they have very very little depth right now, and they're not getting, as I just pointed out. They're not really getting anything from the recruiting classes that were supposed to be like the coming off the here come the Bearcats. Not even this year. Not even necessarily off the college football playoff, but like off of the yeah this this is for real. Yeah. And like they're not getting anything really from this class. Off the
1: near miss and against Georgia, and then you know following that up with the the CFP like not having a lot of those guys like you said was at 18 that have left out of those two classes um, and then you go out and you pick up guys in the portal but if you're only guys at those positions that are uh, good enough are portal guys and there's nothing behind it i know coach satterfield said it several times in in different uh ways different press con in different ways and press conferences it without I mean obviously he's a coach he's not going to be like look I've got one set of guys that are you know good enough you, and then the rest of them lose, aren't good you enough to be or,
0: you lose five in a row there's nothing he can say up there after yeah. a game that's going to make
1: Anybody any difference happy.
0: and you Although could you, when, you could be like yeah be honest tell us who like all the issues but it's like he's, he's not going to do that so then Anything that he says, most fans and I and I get it, will be like, oh, he's just making excuse. What do you want him to say? He's just making excuses. Well, yeah. what do you what do you want him to say? We I mean, stink. It, I mean, we stink, and it's all my fault. And you would just go, yeah, it is. And so it that wouldn't change anything. Wouldn't he help anything.
1: Say, he did say that yesterday. He opened up. He opened up his press conference by saying, "This isn't Cincinnati football. This is not what we're going to be. We're going to get better, and it starts with me." He basically said. Yeah, you know, this, this isn't, yeah. you know, acceptable and it's, you know, my fault. And yeah. there's still going to be people that are going to say that like, yeah, you know, it's whatever, like, I guess, Barstool Cincinnati was trying to say that there was like, you know, fire Satterfield chance going on. And somebody was, said it was like two students that were like, you know, acting like idiots. Yeah. Um, it was def- def- I
0: mean, the crowd was like, into it. The crowd was good. Like cr- cr- the crowd caused issues for Baylor several times like you know uh, you know but you gotta win like you know you like I'm gonna be there all the time because I love football and I I like supporting the guys and you know I did I think it was gonna be record-wise this bad no did I did I think that that was a possibility sure I mean we talked about I talked about five and seven and that with however many coin flip games we talked about going to the season, if the things went wrong, uh, I we could, could certainly, I could certainly, no, I didn't, maybe didn't think two and 10, if we want to play this thing out all the way, but like, you know, you're, you're in these games. You're just not good enough and not making the plays to win them.
1: Yeah. I mean, but the Miami game, like that one, I, know, I didn't think that was going to gonna be a coin flip. Oklahoma, I didn't think, I thought we were going to lose Oklahoma. You know, BYU, coin flip. What is that? That's a, a one score game. Uh, Iowa State, obviously, that was like just a total disaster. And then Baylor, like another coin flip. So, like, you know, you flip those and then, you know, you're looking at what, four and three
0: right now? Well, I just look at like one, one, sequ- like one five minute sequence yesterday defense makes a great play gets off the field on this is like five minutes to go in the first half or maybe yeah. even less than that okay
1: yeah i know where you're at
0: makes a great play gets off the field on fourth down you get a a weird unsportsmanlike conduct call i i have no idea like i since i wasn't watching the game like all the players were celebrating like they just made a great play They're you know and they call unsportsmanlike conduct on something i don't know what that it was is. after
1: the, it was after the threats hit
0: Yeah, but I I stopped
1: him on the sideline.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I didn't see what the call was, Chad. Do you know what that was for? The entire team was on the
2: field. But, like, that's I mean, that happens. I I was happy to see it because it showed some life. But literally, Dave, the entire team. Yeah, but it should be a sideline warning. Was on the field. Well, I mean, it was. It's success, not
0: unspor- unsportsmanlike success. conduct if you're set, like that's the only time anywhere yesterday that like the majority of a, of a team was on the field celebrating.
1: Minnesota's uh, yeah. Minnesota was all the way out on on the field in their game. <laughs> yeah. But either
0: them- either way, so you start that drive instead of the their 48, you start at the 37, and you just go straight backwards.
1: 29 yards. You
0: punch. And then you get the ball back, and you, and you do go the backwards same thing again. again. So, like the offensive line that was very good running the ball,
1: and those are um, just those are just three man rushes.
0: Yes, it's by straight, the way, it's just straight dropbacks.
1: I mean, it wasn't it, the pocket disappeared like that on those. It, so, it, there was there was like nothing going on,
0: like
2: you know. Can I tell you what did it for me? You you get a touchdown. You go up seven to three. They go straight down the field. Score a touchdown. Then the fumble. Touchdown. And then you come out after that. And you have the Corey Kiner third and one where he gets the first down and fumbles. And then fumbles, yeah. And then you get a five-yard delay game. And you're looking at, you should, like, you've got one, you're supposed to have one of the best punters in the country. You should be able to flip the field. He kicks a 39-yard low-line drive, and they take over on the 28. Yeah. On a, a Like, at worst, at worst, you should have pinned them inside the 15-yard line. Yeah.
0: I mean, I assume the delay game was be- maybe because they were hoping that they would review it and didn't want to use the timeout to see if he was down maybe before he fumbled. I don't know. But either way, like, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've said too many times that, like, we're supposed to have – and he's punted the ball fine, but he hasn't punted the ball. Ray Guy-Award great finalist guy punting. Um, and those are the yards that you need in games that you're not – you're just not that good in right now. Like, you know, the interior of the offensive line, I think, has been pretty good, the, the athletic – kind of did their halfway point all-transfer team, and Luke Kandra was on there. But, like, I think it's pretty obvious where the issues are at, at tackle. And, like, John, they have one legitimate tackle besides the two guys starting in Ethan Green, who I get, you know, clearly not ready to to be out there. Um, that's, that's it.
1: Depth. You know, no I think DeAndre Buford
0: is. is probably best suited at guard. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, not sure if I would say the same for John Williams. I just don't think DeAndre Buford is big enough and long enough to play tackle. But, like, they don't have – they literally – and this, this does fall on the previous staff because they were here plenty long enough, and I feel like we've talked about this a lot. But, like, to have one legit tackle – in your entire program right now, from a size and development standpoint.
1: Well, I mean, you know, did, they're going to be. Think, did anybody did anybody leave out of those other that could have been?
0: I don't think so. Because the, if they no, because if they they probably would have been starting.
1: Meh.
0: <laughs> and we would have known. We would it would have come to me much quicker than that. Um, so, but that, these are all the things I think that just add up to a lot of games where we're left scratching our head because we, we see numbers or we see drives or we see segments of the game where you're like, that was good. That's what, that's what we thought we'd see more, more of. And then, you know, you just see a, a trick play where the secondary is literally just running around with their like chickens with their heads cut off. Like to have two guys going wide open, usually one guy is wide open and one guy is covered because somebody made the mistake. And they're like, there's three guys running with one guy and then the other guy's wide open where this, this was just like, which one do I want to throw to? Or in this case, it was, which one do I have a little, have time to throw to. Uh, um, you know, but even against I, a team that can't stop the run, like we couldn't really generate anything in the past game because either Emory didn't have time, like we just talked about the no. couple sequences, or God, dudes just aren't open,
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, like Coach Satterfield said, uh, I think it was coming out of, out of halftime with um one of the sideline reporters, but you know, said that he wanted to take you know he he was overall happy with you know the way that they had established the run and he wanted to take a, a few more deep shots well like h- yes. how are you going to take how are you going to take deep shots right. when when Emory has like no time now there were you know probably some passes he missed here and there like i mean probably the the greatest pass he's thrown in his entire career was the touchdown the, the second touchdown to, yes. to xavier henderson that he threaded in at, uh, going down the sideline But when he's when he's back there and the pockets collapsing on him with a simple three man rush, you don't have time for anything to develop downfield for any of your receivers to even have a chance to get open if they could. Yeah.
0: It's it's more it it's maddening because it's it's more of the same. But I think what's at least coming more into view for me is I think it's more of the same just because we just just don't have enough guys to, to change the equation.
1: Yeah. The over here, I I don't know. B-D-I-A-S, uh, says not sure the talents there depth for sure is not. And I, I think that's kind of what the theme of what we've come to, uh, this morning, uh, or maybe the realization over these seven weeks is that, uh, there's some talent. Um, the majority of it is that of a pretty darn good group of five team. Um, and anywhere where there is talent that is at a big 12 level, um, of, of any caliber, uh, the depth behind, it's not there for to help pick that up and raise, raise the level of the team, uh, to a point where they can compete for an entire four quarters. Uh, there hasn't been, I don't think a clean four quarters of football, um, maybe since the EKU game.
0: Yeah, I think think... the
1: second half of the pit game was was pretty, uh, you know, touch and go. So since then, I mean, obviously the Miami game wasn't clean the whole way. None of the we've lost five games in a row. They haven't. It hasn't been good.
0: And I think the area that bothers me the most because I'm not sure any of it is purely talent related is special teams, like. I don't. I don't think Mason Fletcher all of a sudden is is like a worse player than he was last year. But he's certainly not punting the ball as well. And I don't think Braden Smith's athletic ability has much to do with dropping a kickoff, then picking it up, then getting hit and fumbling. And last week, or against B, like BYU, misjudging a ball, then trying to like.
1: That, and, there's like mental mistakes
0: in the in the the you know the kickoff return stuff or kickoff coverage stuff last week. Our kickoff team like legit not being able to you know outside of the one that Xavier Xavier kind of like broke a tackle and like we don't ever start drives past the twenty five on on returns and. Like, those things to me are not really – like, the secondary is what it is. There's just not enough talent there. Yeah, They're going to get beat by, by better players if we can't get pressure on the quarterback. I don't think the special team stuff has anything to do with that. And that's the frustrating part to me. Like, I'm frustrated that the offensive line can't pass protect. But, like, you look at the roster and you're going – you're going, well – Okay, yeah. Who who am I who am I going? That guy should be playing. That's why that's why the offensive line isn't pass protecting, is because that guy's not in the game.
1: Because Dante Corleone and Juwan Briggs aren't playing on the offensive line as well outside of uh their their big boy package to run the ball in.
0: Yeah, so I'm not sure it... It's what it, you know, it doesn't really solve anything. We're just trying to kind of talk through and, and, and it's not going to change anything for next week. I mean, Oklahoma State's won five in a row. They're playing really good. You're yeah. going on the road. I will be interested to see because most teams, at least the last two teams, have pretty much just said they're not going to run the ball. Well, Oklahoma State's not going to not run the ball. Did you see what Ollie, Ollie Gordon Montgomery, did yesterday?
1: Or, or what's his, Ollie, Ollie Gordon. Gordon. Yeah, was it like 198 yards or something in the fourth quarter? They had
0: like 29 for well over 204 touchdowns. So they're going to run the ball. So that'll be fun to see see how that goes. Um, But they have, you know, they have Alan Bowman's a a pretty veteran quarterback. Braden Presley is a nice slot speed type wide receiver. Um, So we'll see how that goes. But,
1: you know had nine rushes for 149 yards and three touchdowns in the fourth quarter alone. 29 total carries for 282 yards and four touchdowns on the game. So well, that's, ba- I, I, that's
0: basically what Miles and uh Corey did. They did it in 25 carries and 288 touchdown, 288 yeah. yards.
1: So yeah, you know, he he spells multiple uh running backs. And obviously he had like a an explosive I mean he had over half his yards were in the in the fourth quarter. So on on yeah. nine carries, I mean, he averaged almost 17 yards a carry in, in the fourth quarter. That's uh, it's slightly scary. But
0: yeah, it's um, it's getting. I mean, it's past the point of head scratching, and infuriating, and mystifying, and whatever adjective you want to use. I think when- we've been
1: able to. Boil it down to kind of probably what the uh, the likely likely case is outside of Yeah. I mean else. there's I mean, on,
0: on gameonpaper.com there's eleven kind of team stats that they use. Uh UC was better than Baylor in ten of them. The only one they weren't better than was yards per drop back. They were better in every other team stat that they track.
1: It's those things have been like it's it's almost been like that. It seems every game and you is. pull up game on paper and it's just all green on the UC side except for in the total points scored in the game.
0: It's because they play pretty well yeah. or or pretty okay. And then there's four or five plays that the other team makes, or there's four or five plays that we hand them, that determines the outcome of the game. But all the other stuff that happened in the game itself, uh, you know, is why we lost. Is why it was close, but is not is why we didn't win. I mean, they Baylor had negative EPA passing. They couldn't run the ball and they, they had negative EPA passing and still won.
1: Well, I mean, when, like, you say, like, when you hand them, when you literally hand, hand them a touchdown because you cough the ball up at, like, whatever the seven-yard line right into, you know, their arms and they there's obviously nobody between them in the end zone. You can't, when you are on such a razor-thin edge of, like, we have to be playing perfect win this game against a not very good team because we're also maybe not very good. Um, you can't have plays like that. You can't have things where you know, you, you get opportunities to, to steal yeah. points at the end of a half and you go backwards thirty yards and then you get the ball back and have another chance and you go backwards ten yards.
0: Because I mean I don't do even that. think we can't possibly say that like if Braden doesn't fumble there, then then the game is is different and UC wins because they only lost by three. But, like, that one single play, if that one single play doesn't happen, I wonder what the, like, percentages of the probability was that UC would win the game when they kicked off and what it went to after he scored that touchdown. Like, how important was that one play? So it's like, Uh we don't know how the rest of the game would have gone, but, you know a single play that should never happen like that's not a that's not a quarterback getting hit as he throws and the ball flutters up and it randomly drops into a guy's arms and he runs it back for a touchdown like that should never happen
1: yeah i'm trying to the game on paper thing isn't isn't cooperating with i can see I mean, where it's at
0: he essentially made three errors on that play because apparently he was supposed to fair catch it so not yeah. only did he not try to fair catch it Then he dropped it. Then he picked it up, ran, fumbled, and they scored. So three errors on one play. Well,
1: I I mean, that obviously all compounds itself. Like when you choose not to fair catch it, and then you drop it, you have to obviously then pick it up. And then in your head, you're thinking, well, if I pick it up here, then we're going to be, you know, I've touched it. I'm going to pick it up. It's going to be on the four-yard line. Like I've got to try to give us some space and – now you're kind of in a panic run and you take a shot from the side and then you cough the ball up. You see how quickly, Natalie wants enough we saw how quickly Braden Fair caught. Everybody nice was kickoff. fair
0: catching. That's the thing. They should have been, they should have Fair caught that one. Or if you're not, or if you're not feel comfortable with the angle or whatever, like get out, just get out of the way. Yeah, just let it. Like, have you ever seen a kickoff hit the ground and back up and back up? Yeah. It's, it's kicked like that. Like it was, it would have gone into the end zone if you didn't feel comfortable catching it.
1: Yeah, it's, it was a, that, that right there was just, you know, one, one decision that, that then compounded into three immediate mistakes and it all just went bad. I mean, the, the mistake of not fair catching it, trying to catch it and, and muffin it, picking it back up, which you, I mean, obviously you've got to do at that point. And then not securing it, Uh, and and it really wasn't even like a huge hit. I didn't think. I mean, I watched the replay a couple times. It didn't seem like when he didn't get blasted. No, you're just just kind of got wrapped up, you're
0: not carrying it secure. Your your internal clock is picked up because you're because you're looking down to pick up the ball. Then you're trying to look up and see where you're going to go at that point. It's you know. It's just a a, an overall disaster waiting to happen, and it happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but it's another in a long line of games that you wonder, you know, make one more, two more plays, and and we should have probably gotten a win.
1: But yeah, I mean, we we talked about how. I know I already said it earlier, but like you look at it, you go down the line of coin flip games that you know we've talked about, and unfortunately, the coin has landed the other way on all of the coin flip games, and then one that we thought shouldn't have even been an issue became an issue, and that's how you're sitting at five straight losses, and and two and five. So,
0: through to Walrus says according to the ESPN thing that like the game tracker you see was a 60 and percent favorite to win the game before that kick and baylor was 81.7 percent after
1: okay that makes sense the game on paper thing wasn't cooperating to like give me the percentages yeah so, but you could see like the if you go to You're game right. on paper and the look huge, at you, you could see yeah, the, huge with, jump. The, the flip from from that so yeah
0: so i mean yeah, like it,
1: is a, but this is this is what
0: happens when you are deficient in several areas is a play like that is magnified because you're just handing them points and we can't be handing anybody points right now
1: there were a lot of recruits on campus this year and they and they you know and to the credit of every of like you know the folks that showed up and and the atmosphere they created and whatnot like i did see that there were several of them that like tweeted out afterwards like you know that their visit was positive uh, i'm
0: sure it was they're being told like hey you could probably you might
1: start next year hey and you know what if that's <laughs> look if that's what it takes to start getting some of these guys in to like turn the that's, that's,
0: that's part to of the, to deal. the depth
1: and turn you've got to you can't i mean obviously i mean you can sell I, a I, you could sell a couple things you can sell your like nil ability which obviously could <laughs> you know could be there you could sell that you can you can sell the fact that you come here and you, know, you compete for a national championship every single year, um, and, but you might not play uh, right away. Or you can sell that you're going to come in here and and uh, start right away. And for some kids, like that, that, could be it. Obviously, college is a very limited amount of time, and you and being part of a rebuild is not necessarily fun. Um, but getting to play might be. And if it's one of those things where like you look over here and you're like, oh, if I go to this school. Might be middle of the pack and not play, or I can go here and and maybe help you know, and play for you. Know, start from right when I get there.
0: Yeah, I mean I think we'll, we'll kind of wrap this up. We've talked, I think we've talked enough about the Baylor <laughs> game, but like I just think it's, I think you're seeing that, you know, they're gonna be active again in the portal this coming portal season because I think we've seen that because of the coaching change and the roster attrition that we mentioned from the 2021 and 2022 classes, plus how the 2023 class pretty much blew up because of the coaching change. Like, the roster is just not very good. So Coach Satterfield's not going to, they're not going to make it good with 2024 high school kids.
1: I mean, you're so, going to have to, you're going you know, to have there's, to. There's, there's but those be, kids can be depth. They can be depth. Well, Maybe. not the not the incoming freshmen. No, but you've got to like some of these guys. You've got to at some point you're going to have to start playing some of them to see well, what it is like.
0: Yes, Brad. Some decent teams do, but we're not saying that they're decent because they haven't shown that they're consistent enough to go get a drive when they have to get a drive. So yeah. They're, but they're two and five, so they're not decent. And I think we went through a good, a good, a bunch of reasons why. Now, it doesn't absolve any coaching errors or, or anything along those lines. I just don't think they have a lot of Big 12 caliber players right now. Not Big 12 caliber players that are going to make winning plays, even against Baylor.
1: But if you want to look at, you know, we. Like you said we we have hit a lot of the negative and maybe it's not even really negative it's just the the reality of things but then yesterday you know the the things that were positive the the team stuck like you know they I didn't see anybody kind of hanging their heads and out of the game and you know they were still attempting no you know, it was, that was and they, were, and they had a ch- and they had a chance like they they saw a chance so a repeat I I a repeat okay
0: of that would have been far more concerning to me yeah. for the long for the long term than just losing another game like they're probably going to lose more games this year i don't even yeah. know if they'll win another one but you know like what we saw against Iowa State could not happen again for for much bigger reasons than it just would have been the fifth loss instead of the fourth
1: yeah so you i mean I, if you want to take some positives out of it obviously there's not a whole lot of positives but like the the fact that they were you know they got down they had they did have some you know obviously you've got like that where they cough up the punt or the the kickoff like those kinds of things can make a team just like kind of recoil into itself if there's not you know something else going on on the sideline to try to keep them together and i, I thought you know they, they did come out and they, they tried uh, obviously didn't end up the way we wanted and fans here in Cincinnati were we obviously expecting more. Uh we've been we've been giving <laughs> I mean, you're more just recently. Like, you're just like they came out and they and they tried.
0: <laughs> I'm just like oh my God. Somebody clipped that little segment. They <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean it, it's not it's not a team that gave up. And I I said as long as you know we were maybe making some improvements in some places and I don't know that there really were a whole lot of improvements other than running game. Like that looked yeah. good.
0: I mean, it's just, I I'm trying to make how, it make sense. No, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just like they just don't have enough good players. Point yeah. blank, it doesn't matter. We can nitpick and debate and break down elements and drives and coaching decisions, and it and all just kind of still find the, I think it still just kind of falls back at like they just don't have enough good players, and this. Uh, this portal class that they brought in for this year, I think has shown that it was more to just try to not be a disaster and fill some major holes on the roster versus it was try to
1: win the big 12, win
0: win a bunch of games. Yeah. And maybe that's a problem. And if that happens again next year, we're going to look at it and go, all right, guys, like, what are we doing? You've had two recruiting, two portal classes, in the twenties or whatever. And they're all just a bunch of Jags. Uh, where are the well difference there, makers? Steve Smith. Just a guy. Uh, but, uh, but we've one, gone, we've gone plenty long on the latest UC loss. Uh, yeah. anything from around the country, not my vol's second half performance you want to talk about?
1: Uh, no, I mean, there were, there were a couple, uh, there were some strange I know we talked about it before the the show started there were some uh weird weird ref uh situations that went on um I know we talked about the talked about the Iowa uh Minnesota fair catch that would have put Iowa up with I think like a minute to go in the game yeah having Um,
0: having the Hawkeyes minus three and a half I didn't didn't love that call
1: (laughs) (laughs) well there's that and then uh Pitt was playing Wake Forest, and uh, oh, I
0: saw a tweet about this.
1: So that so the the end of the game, Pitt needs a first down basically to to seal it up. It's like third and I think third and ten, uh, and their quarterback started his slide at uh, third and nine or at the you know, nine yards gained, one yard short of the sticks, um, and so they spotted the ball correctly there. They have to give the ball back to Wake Forest, who then comes down and wins. Uh, What's kind of funny about that whole situation is that's the Kenny Pickett rule uh, from the fake slide that he did against Wake Forest. He fake slid against Wake Forest uh, on, like, the opening drive of the ACC championship game in 2021. I
0: thought, thought from what I saw, it looked like he started his slide well past the first down marker. So...
1: His slide, if you slow it down by like frames, starts. He starts to like lean back and put his feet out a yard short of the sticks, and the ref correctly spots the ball there. And it's because his, you know, Kenny Pickett did that fake slide that totally like took the defense, put the defense back on their heels because they were like, well, we can't hit him if he slides. And then he doesn't slide, runs for a touchdown and they made that rule that like anywhere that they start, wherever you start your slide is, whether it's a fake slide or a real slide, is where the ball goes down at. He made them say, I just thought it was funny that it was pit Wake Forest again, and this time it bit uh, pit. Duke came out of halftime, and they they were uh, gonna go for it on fourth and two, subbed no one, their entire offense stayed on the field. The refs assumed they were gonna punt, so they stood over the ball. What? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. They assumed they were going to punt. So they stood over the ball and allowed uh, Florida State to sub, sub out. Like Florida State had like 15 players on the field. And Duke is trying to snap the ball. They, they, didn't, the ball. they didn't take anybody from there. I mean, obviously this is the first play coming out of halftime. Or first drive coming out of halftime. Uh, but it, it turned out then that you know, they uh, they weren't able to go for it. Their head coach was going nuts. I don't know what his name is. But he was going ballistic. Mike, like, Mike what Delco. are you doing? Yeah, he's like, "Why are you standing over the ball?" Like, I didn't sub. Oh, no one man. subbed. That was a that was another big uh, ref flub that I saw yesterday. That kind of had some sort of impact on the game.
0: Yeah, there's we're, always like a good, just a good call, blown call that you everyone's just like, "What in the heck are you doing? What are you watching?" Uh. <laughs> Michigan didn't need to steal any signs last night in their 49, nothing walkover of Michigan state. Uh, so the, the Simone house went a nice 0 for three yesterday. That was, it's always good. Um, Penn state still can't beat Ohio state. So I don't think we need to talk about that. There's nothing surprising there. I think that's a, what 11 in a row.
1: Uh, the Sorry. big thing from out of that game was uh, Gus Johnson referring to uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. as Maserati Marv. Maserati Marv, <laughs> the whole game, it's a, and
0: it's a great nickname. That would be a great nickname.
1: And somebody said, "Well, I guess if there's a Maserati Marv, then there's uh, a Honda McCord." So, <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was his. Uh, contribution I like that there. too.
0: Honda Honda.
1: Duke, uh, cool. Florida, Duke Florida State was actually like a, a pretty good game there till the very very end, and then Florida State kind of poured it on in the fourth quarter, and that one. So are, was... are we are we are we at the USC stinks now point? <sighs> that the ending to that game was you know, you know with uh, Utah being able to pull that one out, that was that was good. Their quarter, their backup quarterback, because I guess after the game they they said Cam Rising is not coming back this season. Yeah. Um, but their backup quarterback, I mean, it's like third and forever and the dude runs for like 27 yards or tw- 26 yards, uh, gets down five seconds left. You know, they still have one timeout and he, uh, they decide to like, you know, he takes two steps to the left and falls on the ground and then is able to get a timeout called. So that was, it was, uh, some excellent clock management there at the end of the game for, uh, Utah to set up a pretty, uh, pretty nice game winning field goal.
0: Yeah. And then uh, I guess the big, the, I mean, what, the probably the biggest upset of the day, North Carolina losing at home to Virginia.
1: I think it's like, I think somebody said it's the fourth week in a row, the number 10 team in the country has gone, I mean, gone down.
0: You're 20, 24 point favorites at home against a team who I think, what, their only victory this year is uh, William and Mary.
1: Yes. Come they, they into won. this
0: come into this game. Don't call
1: it a winning streak because it's two in uh, the, a row
0: for the for the wah, Wahoo Wahs. Like I mean, they, what? What?
1: They they've lost to Tennessee, which is okay, and then they lost to James Madison, Maryland, NC State, Boston College, beat William and Mary and then beat the number ten team in the country.
0: Come on, North Carolina. I'm like <laughs> Drake Maystain over here you're doing that
1: oh man uh Ole Miss and Auburn I didn't even see that one that was a, nothing,
0: call- a big nothing burger game
1: uh oh, LSU, Ar- LSU army uh 62 to nothing good job Brian Kelly uh uh the Minnesota Iowa game obviously you got Iowa uh yeah and with that we talked about how that one ended up um Tulane eked one out over North Texas
0: yeah, it was kind of a. It Washington
1: wasn't really. Arizona was State last night wasn't he, wasn't was a horrible game.
0: Yeah, I didn't did not see a minute of that. I but stayed, I I stayed stay, up to watch it. So I was
1: I, I was like, oh, let's see. You know, like I, I like watching good football. Even if they dominate, I enjoy watching the good. They had like the, a what, they, like
0: a ninety-five yard pick six to
1: yeah to give them the lead. Yeah, they were. I mean, they were they were one hundred percent going to lose that game if they didn't get that pick six. Like, Michael Penix Jr. didn't look very good. Like, not, nothing that they were doing looked very good. And then you've got, obviously, like, if you want to bring up the two, uh, like I was talking about earlier, the other two uh, two of the teams that came from the AC you know, UCF and Houston, um, both teams put on, you know, they UCF has a chance if they run, if they uh, just called up Satterfield for a, a two-point conversion play, they could have uh, run the, the old swing and gate yeah, uh, maybe use the wide receiver as a center, and uh, they could have tied it up on theirs. But instead, they ran some—I mean—throw it out into the flat, and when you've got like five, five uh, Oklahoma dudes out there, and Houston—that was another one. There's another ref thing. Uh, oh and, yeah, where Dana, what, they Dana. said
0: they, <laughs> what like fourth down or something? They said he didn't—he didn't get it.
1: Yeah, if you go looked, back and watch the replay, it looks pretty, pretty yeah.
0: obvious that he did. And there was, yeah, then he got pulled back. And
1: there was another call yeah, in that I game. I thought
0: Texas was supposed to get boned on their way it, out. Not the new no. guys. Yeah. We're they, already, they, we're already
1: they, fighting uphill they, enough. They screwed Houston big time. And there was another play somewhere in there, um, in that game where Dana holgerson was like explosively livid and, uh, that's when I sent you a message that Dana wasn't happy, but I, I don't remember now what that play was. Yeah, he's usually not happy though, so he has has no. his time of being upset on the sideline. So,
0: but yeah, that, that's about it. There's not uh, I did see an interesting tweet just come across because there's there has not been a lot of movement at the top this year, and this is probably why the top 15 teams from college football's preseason poll. Have played seventy-seven games as favorites of ten or more points. They are seventy-six and one in those favorites. I'm assuming the one is North Carolina. Well, a major reason we are set for so much late-season drama is that the original top fifteen teams has suffered basically zero major upsets. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they're either losing to each other, like a Oregon Washington situation. Or anybody that they should beat, they're beating. So, you know, it's has, it has It's been a pretty ch- chalky at the top uh, first half of the season. But uh, we will never leave you. We will be back here next Sunday, 10 a.m. To recap the Bearcats' first trip to Stillwater. Hopefully their first Big 12 win. As they head up to Oklahoma. Take on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Again, thanks to everybody that joins our chat every week. We appreciate it. Like, subscribe, do all those things you're supposed to do. Tell your friends. Thank you to our great partners at Royal Lynx Golf Tours. And we will be back next Sunday. So we will see you then. Everybody have a great day.